0: Welcome to episode 11 of Timberwolves Tip to Tap, that's tip as in tip off for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and tap as in the best the Twin Cities craft beer scene has to offer. I'm Dan Hilton, frontman for indie rock bands, Southern Resident
1: Killer Whales, and Sender's Dream. And I am Josh Dye with the Convene Training and Resilience Community, and we are excited that you're joining us for the only podcast in the world to focus specifically on the World-class Twin Cities and Minnesota craft beer scene and the stay-after-class Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: And to my note that I always make about my bands at the top, uh, worth maybe mentioning a little activity on that front. Uh, My entire band, Southern Resident Killer Whales, is somewhere between one and two COVID vaccine shots. And we're hoping to start practicing and gigging again within a month or so and my other project senders dream as a new single and video coming out also probably within a month. So a little plug there and yay. And Josh is even sporting the, uh, a Southern resident killers killer whales shirt. Uh, and now with that out of the way, we are going to make like seven varieties of hops and go right into the beer. Josh, what brewery are we sampling and talking about today?
1: Dan, today it is Able Seed House and Brewery. And I want to read a little something about Able Forest uh, to get started so we understand a little bit behind uh, what goes into the beer. So Able says that we work with Minnesota small grain farmers to source our seeds, bring them into the seed house, malt them on pre- premise in our half-ton malting system, and try to make limited small production beers with that malt. Dan, have you ever heard of another brewery talking about having a seed house
0: no and it's interesting when i googled them i was gonna look at the website myself i googled able and there's like some other able brewery somewhere else in the country that was like a, a, a result that came up and i thought that maybe they went with that just as kind of an angle to differentiate but it sounds like there's a real story behind it and a a, a purpose behind that with that the, the sourcing of the grains that's pretty cool
1: yeah, and so Able is located at 1121 Quincy Street Northeast in Minneapolis, uh, just down the road from Indeed Brewing, who was featured on a previous podcast. Right now, Able's taproom hours are they're open on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they also have a beer finder on their website. So if you're trying to find, where do we find Abel? Beer, they have a beer finder on their website. Dan, have you used that recently?
0: I, I just checked it out today, and I think it's worth mentioning that's something I would like to see on more local brewery websites because and I think, in terms of our show, where we're putting it out there for people that may not live in the Twin Cities or they want to sample the beer and it just may not be that to, convenient to get to a tap room in one single location. And a beer finder, you can find all the distribution points. So I know that. Able distributes in Grand Marais. They distribute clear up to Grand Forks, down to Albert Lee, Winona. That's kind of the four points of the compass. Um, Everywhere is in Minnesota. So you'll have to visit our lovely state in order to uh, buy it or uh, sample it. But um, it is a great feature because you can find where, what is the liquor store in your area that carries it if you can't make it to the brewery itself.
1: All right, and so another thing about the tap room, if you do choose to visit, is right now they have Animales Barbecue or animal mm. Barbecue <laughs> Company. I think nice. it's, it's got to be Animales Barbecue yes. Company yeah. is uh, smoking meats on site. So if you enjoy barbecue and beer and meat and and suds, Able is a visit that you should put on your list. Now, Dan, before I go into an overview of the beer, uh, why don't you talk about uh, something that you saw recently in terms of Able's beer production and what they currently have available?
0: Well, this is great. This is like only about an hour and a half ago as I was getting ready for for us to do this show. It tells you the amount of pre-production we do here. But um, I i'm drinking this i I bought this uh cryosaurus rex double ipa at the liquor boy uh liquor store in st louis park really good um i I was gonna try to find out a little verbiage about it and what goes on with the beer on the website didn't find it there so i shot them a twitter message was like hey i'm not finding this on the website um, and I had a little, uh, correspondence with Brock who manages the social media there. And he told me that Cryosaurus Rex is actually the first beer out to distribution from their new head brewer, Matt Anhalt, who's previously of Insight, which is, mm. this is all fascinating. Um, and that they're currently working on getting their website up to date, but it kind of fell out of sync when the tap room was closed over the winter. So if you talk about some of the beers here, you know, some of the core lineup that you might find on the website right now is subject to change, but Hey, that's a reason to check back often and find out what, what actually is going on there.
1: Yeah. And one thing I think with Able is, you know, their core lineup, uh, at least as it's currently laid out features, you know, four, four beers. There's the first light IPA, a golden ale, a lighter IPA, and then their old trusty, Light beer. Now their core lineup may may change, but it shows that they are really trying to have something for each uh, palate that exists. If you're into the IPA or the golden ale or the a lighter IPA or a light beer, but then their limited releases dig a little bit deeper. You know, they've got a raspberry lime sour ale, which black- I
0: really hope that does not go away. I haven't sampled it yet, but it sounds so good—a raspberry lime sour. Mm.
1: Yeah, sounds amazing. And then they've got a stout and what they call a pub ale. And then currently on draft includes a couple of hazies. One called Black is Beautiful, a double oatmeal stout, mm. an imperial stout, and a barrel-aged old ale as well. And so one thing I want to mention about Able uh, is, you know, their tap room and their patio is just a really nice in-person experience. You know, the tap room is often what you'd notice amongst a – uh Uh, a brewery with kind of a big open floor plan. Uh, But they have that beautiful big patio. And one thing that my wife and I did back when we were in uh, dating mode is we would uh, actually, we would have these cheese dates, Dan, where we would get Uh sample, some cheeses from, you you know, we we were members of the uh, subscribers of the Certix cheese of the month club. And they'd send a sampling of cheeses and accompaniments. And then we'd go to a brewery and, uh, have some beer to pair with those, and Abel was one of our spots on that uh, journey as well. And Dan, a couple summers back, we did something called a beer Olympics, where we went from brewery to brewery <laughs> to play their their games. So and not
0: not without controversy.
1: Not with, <laughs> not without controversy. Uh, but I do remember. One thing that wasn't controversial that day was completely <laughs> demolishing you at bags at Abel Seed House and Brewery.
0: You're better at bags than I am, Josh. Yeah. How about that? You just
1: yeah.
0: Good night. <laughs> he, he doesn't know what to do with that magnanimous <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> admission of mine. <laughs>
1: so. All right. So, Dan, what are you drinking?
0: Well, actually, I'm going to mention one other experience we had at Able Brewing. Um, With with so many Timberwolf connections at these places, this is really the reason why we went into this whole line of work. (laughs) This Timberwolf and and craft beer thing. So actually, Able Brewing was the site of us watching the, the draft, and they were very gracious. They let us turn it to the... You know, draft night channel. And we watched in real time, the Timberwolves trade away Dario Saric and our 11th pick for Jared Culver And at the time we're like, what, <laughs> what, what is happening? What? I don't know, man. And then we're both of the mind of like, well, this guy's really sharp. He knows what he's doing, but we were not sold on it that night. I'm just going to say that.
1: No, I was very um, not sold on it. Cause that's when we were also trying to, We, it was sort of known we were trying to trade up for Darius Garland. Yeah. And we didn't get him. And so we give up Dario and the 11th pick for not even the guy that we were trying to get. (laughs) And I remember we were like, "Mm, I don't know about that.
0: (laughs) But we went, you know, we, we were giving them about a wide latitude benefit of the doubt as much as we can. But the other thing that happened that night, I left my new Timberwolves hat there and uh, such a nice clientele, wonderful place. I was able to retrieve it the next day. They had held it behind the counter. So yeah. so moving on to – sorry, am I supposed to toss to myself for this again?
1: <laughs> what am yeah, I toss here your – yeah, moving on to uh... – What are you drinking? You referenced the Cryosaurus Rex double IPA earlier, Dan, and uh, tell us about it.
0: Well, so Brock, when we were having this exchange, uh, the social media guy there, he said he described it as a classic double IPA that's reminiscent of some of his favorite Northeast doubles that got him into craft beer. So he said it has a heady topper and a sip of sunshine. And I think he kind of nails it with the description, especially I would say the classic double ipa so as i look at it it's this beautiful sort of orangey amber and it's like you don't get this these days it's an ipa i can see through yeah (laughs) it just it's it, it just doesn't look what you see so much with the the hazies and the 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 new england stuff uh or i guess northeast is but it's um it reminds me, so I'm gonna throw out and I'm gonna extend myself out into open space and trust fall here. And maybe you catch, maybe you, you hit this or you don't, but there's a beer, a really, really hoppy beer, I'm not talking furious, that I kind of discovered through one of my backyard parties we used to have at my house for many years. And I got really into it. And you could buy it in 750 milliliter bottles. Eventually they started. Putting it out in six packs, but the 750s were always the best because they were a little fresher. Made by a, a sort of a nationally distributing craft brewery. Do you know which beer I'm talking about?
1: Is this is not the Ranger, is it?
0: No, not the Ranger. It's the it's the Hop Stupid.
1: Oh yeah, Hop Stupid. Is that from MK MK Brewing or Milwaukee Brewing?
0: No, it's from Loganitas.
1: And we stupid. got,
0: we got really, we got really into this beer for a while. It was just like an explode. It was sort of like back in the days where it was sort of like a hops arms race and just like, how bitter can we make this? How better can we make this? But they just did it right. And it was just this ex- sort of floral explosion, just what you really wanted that kind of beer. And again, it feels like to me with double IPAs that they've really gone in a direction where they're bringing down the bitterness. It's really kind of going full on into sort of the more of that full mouth feel, but not so much just going full out on hops. You'll get like a double IPA and see it's got like, you know, 58 IBUs, which is the International Bitterness Units. Well, Hop Stupid was like 101 IBUs, and this beer is hundred. IBUs, And if you remember the hop stupid, I would say, think of a hop stupid, but something that's a little more fresh because it's local. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it was just for me picking up these Cryosaurus Rex. I got a four pack at Liquor Boy. It was the right beer at the right time for me, right? I just needed this sort of classic, wonderful sort of world-class double IPA. So with this being the first distributing, distributed beer from their new head brewer, I think it's like super super promising. I will say on the, on the can and you're a dad and I'm a dad. So we'll both really like that. They say that the beer is deliciously, it's a cryosaurus Rex. And it's got a picture of a, like a kid hand-drawn sort of dinosaur on Mm -hmm. a a Tyrannosaurus Rex. This beer is deliciously (laughs) dino-mite. And some might even go so far as to say it's totally (laughs) terrific. So, that's that can, full, puns, that full verbiage, of puns that verbiage is dad approved and then <laughs> I guess how many varieties of hops are in this beer
1: mm, it's four <laughs> five six seven seven varieties of hops <laughs> like
0: they used all the hops they could have one variety and just needed more hops i just picture
1: these poor minnesota farmers like (laughs) where do we get this one where do we get that one
0: (laughs) i don't know if all the hops i i know the grains would be local i maybe the the hops are not all but they have Amarillo, Azaka, which Azaka is the other one i I really kind of know beyond Mm -hmm. mosaic but cascade centennial citra simcoe and mosaic cryo hops and maybe the cryo is kind of the cryosaurus and like dinosaur uh embryos and cryogenic freeze <laughs> but anyway great hops 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 great beer i'm about halfway through it 8.7 out al- uh, alcohol by volume and uh just wonderful so that that was a good good beer segment
1: yeah well and do you want to make a final mention of drink local minnesota before we get into wolves talk
0: yeah we've been bringing this up i'm not going to say a whole lot about a bunch of common sense uh laws governing breweries cideries uh local distilleries and basically minnesota has archaic blue laws and this is hashtag drink local And you can learn all about it, but it's really picking up steam in the legislature. If you're listening to this, you're going to support what they're doing here. And you just need to talk to your local representatives and state senators and get it passed. But feel free to look up more about it. But we're just trying to bring things up to speed and and give our friends and neighbors who are in the craft brewing industry um, a a fair shot at, at doing business.
1: All right. So, Dan, let's talk Timberwolves now. Yeah. And I first want to get into a survey that you put on Twitter very recently. And you asked the question of Timberwolves fans Timberwolf Nation, where do you live? Minnesota in the USA, but not in Minnesota or not in the USA. And as of the last time you posted this screenshot, You have 29 votes. Tell us about the results so far of where does Timberwolves Nation live?
0: So only because I have dipped my toe in this and done, you know, kind of really explored a little bit of this before, it's not surprising. But I think if you haven't really thought about before, rather surprising where it's uh, almost 59% are Minnesota residents. But Almost 35% USA, not in Minnesota, and 7% not in the USA. Now, this is still seven hours after publishing. Like, when I did this screenshot, it was like seven hours after publishing the poll. And I'm thinking there's going to be some time zone stuff happening where it could really shift when the crazy <laughs> Europeans wake up and start doing their thing. Um, but it, what got me really thinking about this is this local topic that's really big and i guess it's a big topic you know wherever you are as a timber fan about the team potentially moving down the line with the idea that if a billionaire wants to do something they're going to do it and so you can put in all the safeguards that you want but you know if ultimately someone decides they want to move the team it's just simply going to happen and the other billionaires are going to enable it <laughs> um and i was curious is like here we're like oh you know this we got this team representing our state it's important to us it's a cultural thing but i was thinking about this like very large segment and in some ways i i feel like minnesota is almost like has more fans because so many of them locally have been, you know, disillusioned. And it's really only hardcore people that just don't give up on a team that stick around. Maybe Minnesota is more represent. Ah, They're not going to be more represented, I guess, than like LA, you know, than Laker fans or whatever, but still large percentage of people not here locally. And I was wondering how much do people that don't live in Minnesota, how much are they invested in the community and, you know, in, in the team staying here in Minnesota, if they're just Timberwolf fans, you know, maybe it becomes the Seattle Wolves and nobody cares that doesn't live here. And I got a wide so I got I got a lot of people responding to the actual uh question. What I had asked is what do you this is aside a separate post I had made, what do you as a non Minnesota Timberwolf fan think of when hearing about the team sale? Would it matter to you if the team was no longer based in Minnesota? And I got a wide variety of responses so far. Uh, from a couple people that are like I don't think I would I would I would be too mad at the you know the owners doing this I couldn't stay with them but that was a more rare response and most of them were like I couldn't I couldn't quit this team but also a lot of people that are like you know it would make me really sad cuz I feel invested in the Minnesota you know, I've learned about the Minnesota community and it feels like a community to me and it would make me sad to leave that and I think about all the Ways in which Minnesota has been making the news for all the not right reasons in the last year. And I was actually kind of surprised at the number of positive perceptions of Minnesota that I'm finding. Um, but I think the whole subject is just really interesting, is what makes a Timberwolf community, and something we need to think about, you know, as we continue to talk about beers that are based in Minnesota. Um and I actually pitched pitched this in a DM to John Krasinski of The Athletic. I was like what would be awesome? Cause there was this amazing article in the athletic, like national athletic a couple of years ago called sleep is for losers. <laughs> and it was about the crazy European NBA fans. Mm. It was just the best type of feature story journalism where we're talking to these, you know, guys living in their mom's basements, like having to watch NBA games at four o'clock in the morning and nobody in you know, in Portugal, understands why this guy is so into the Utah jazz, <laughs> and he just kindred NBA loving spirits with like no rationale behind what they're doing. And and uh, I was thinking it would be fun to do a more local deep dive if John did a story about, you know, what who are these Timberwolves fans that don't live here and what in the hell made you follow this team and follow it through all the travails and stuff? Like we've had every excuse to leave. And he actually, he said, he thought it sounded like a really great idea and something he might explore mm. in the off season. It's like, Oh, that'd be, that'd be fun. And I was like, it's all yours. I don't don't have the ambition or connections or probably ability to pull that together myself. So.
1: Anyway, yeah. I just, I, I just factors. checked the uh, Twitter poll, Dan, mm. and your prediction about the not in the USA rising ha- has, uh, is, is being borne out at least early. So 8.8% are Ooh. now not in the USA, 34 total votes, and the USA not in Minnesota has dropped a little bit. The other thing that I noticed while I was here is, uh, <clears throat> and we probably don't want to break any news uh, on this, but the uh, jury in the Chauvin um uh, <laughs> Trial has come to a verdict, and it will be announced in about an hour. So, oh wow, uh, so oh, wow. fast uh, okay. they've come to a verdict pretty fast. Um, but anyway, it's noteworthy because you are uh, on call for jury duty this week. <laughs> but not uh,
0: that jury,
1: not wow. that jury, yeah, <laughs> not on that one. But anyhow, Dan, I, I I had to just let you know that the jury has come to a verdict that'll be announced in an hour. All right. Okay, so Dan, we have brand new segments or now recurring segments in this podcast. Yeah. And so let's get into hot or cold on a scale of 1 to 10. What is your overall excitement level with the Minnesota Timberwolves today?
0: Eight. <laughs> what? What? It's a team that just lost by like, trailing the Clippers by 40 points, you know. Yeah, eight. Eight. Um, Because I tend to take a perspective that is a little more far ranging. And if I see their shortcomings of which there are many currently I'm thinking about, and, and we're really talking about basketball here, and this is all the team acquisition stuff aside and everything, but the excitement that I've got about a couple of our rookies, the excitement I have about the synergy between Kat Dilo on the court, imagining, what an offense would look like that has a Ant with an off season of development and a preseason on the court with D'Lo and Kat and a preseason. And then between now and then we either are getting Beasley back as another option or else he has been leveraged for some other piece that is going to make a better starting lineup. And by the way, potentially a top three draft pick. <laughs> So that's, that's got me really excited about next season. And as I've been saying about this season, you know, if you're going to take all your misfortune, you're going to have the amount of misfortune we have had for this franchise. You might as well cram it all into the season. That's a big asterisk because of COVID anyway, and just, and just uh, roll with it next year. So what it wherever you would have been on this you probably would have been like you're a four or a five but I'm wondering whether I moved you at all
1: oh so you know last episode I was pretty low mm-hmm. but something else has happened since our last podcast episode Dan and that is that D-Lo has returned mm. and when d returns I go high
0: <laughs> yeah see I bought low on the imminent return yeah. of d <laughs> And now I'm selling to you. Hi. So 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 so
1: Dan, my excitement level of this team right now is a nine.
0: Oh wow! See, and you're very. It's a very uh, Buddhist sort of approach that you have, which is of you're very in present moment. <laughs> you're living in the moment. You're not you're not getting hung up with the future and past. You're like I like Dilo. los play. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and I I think we've seen something related to when Cat is on the floor and D-Lo's on the floor and they're able to play together that this team is competitive. They're fun. Uh, D'Lo brings an element of cool and a lot of the things that people were basing their hatred on D'Lo from a a sample size of basically zero games with Cat now that we sort of have a more fully assembled roster that a lot of those fears or concerns or knocks um, are not seeming to be true. And so we get this fun factor, this cool factor. And then when the things that you mentioned in terms of reasons to be hopeful for long-term, I'm uh, very excited. And final before uh, I want to turn it back to you for a second is that at the beginning, you predicted that this team would be the seven seed. Uh, And that was of course, based on, you know, uh, players staying healthy. And I think there's actual reason to believe that had this team stayed healthy, we would be at least contending for a play in spot.
0: I think that's, I think that's very reasonable and I'm not embarrassed with that initial yeah. take at all. Uh, w- what I was going to say, is nine. Wow. So I'm wondering how much higher that would be. Had they in the Clipper game been trailing at one point by under 40 points. <laughs> <laughs> give yourself some room man yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was that was actually for guys that are averaging 8.5 for our respective excitement level that was kind of alarming because when you talk about them being competitive with those two on the court Mm -hmm. that that was the first cat d'lo game where it the script played out like the games without cat and so anything you know is a really good team and i get that we're not there yet but that that was pretty alarming you know if, yeah. you, you always have that argument with a we lay an egg against a bad team and like well this the team has that annoying uh youthful failing of not coming out to play against teams that <laughs> for no reason we are overconfident against Uh, But there was no reason for overconfidence versus the Clippers, and it it could have been seen as a real test, and and they laid an egg.
1: Yeah, I'm much less concerned about that Clippers loss because the Clippers are just so darn good. And, uh, of course, we could have played much better, but now that Delo's back and we're still getting kind of just – trying to gain a sense of cohesion and continuity still moving forward. I'm willing to forgive that giant stink bomb. I was far more concerned about the wretched loss to the Pacers a little while back before yeah. D'Lo had returned when Brogdon was out, Sabonis was out and one of their other uh, miles Turner was out and we'd basically, you know, fell way behind in that game and, but that with D back that game feels like history, but it also would be a, a reason for concern. But Dan, speaking of concerns, let's go to the uh, freak out. What sure. are your greatest concerns?
0: Uh, beyond the team moving in three years. <laughs> if I'm talking about on court stuff again, and I, I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about team moving stuff until there's real known knowns related to it. So, Staying on, on court um, activity. I think my biggest concern is whether anybody beyond Kat and D'Lo and what right now are the potentials of Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels, um, whether anyone else on the roster is a needle mover and or even replacement level as an NBA player. Uh, I ha- I saw a thing last night flipping around a couple NBA games and I watched the Celtics um, playing against the Bulls who curiously ended a five-game losing streak and are now on a two-game winning streak since Zach Levine went out. Yeah. Oh, just saying, and they've held opponents to under 100 points both games. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> we love Zach Levine, but my God. So um, but the Celtics last night versus the Zach Levine less Bulls at Boston um, lost and they lost it late. They lost it down the stretch. They had Jason Tatum who has been playing. I'm not going to say as well as anyone in the NBA because Steph Curry, Steph Curry and, yeah. and uh, Jokic are off the charts, but. <laughs> Uh, Jason Tatum is about as high as you can get on the charts right now. And Jalen Brown is having his best year. So they had those two guys. They had their two stars. You're already going to start to see a parallel here. (laughs) But their third through their fifth best players, Kemba Walker... Uh, Marcus Smart and Robert Williams were out. Mm-hmm. And so they got, you know, Pritchard, the rookie, who's very promising. He's a promising rookie. And they got a bunch of other young talent. And I, I'm not following the Celtics quite as close as I have in some other recent years, but our mutual friend Pat Mixdorf, who is following them, has talked about how they're thinner on the bench than they've been in recent times. So they're a little weak once you start getting beyond that big five and now they don't have the big five they got the big two last night so they got two great players playing at an all-star level and a bunch of uh either super young players with potential or just guys that aren't aren't much and what did they do down the stretch they they had multiple turnovers (laughs) they they had miscommunication they just a bunch of screw-ups they had probably like five or six turnovers I saw in the last you know in crunch time when they lost it and they had a good chance to win but they lost it and I was like gosh what does that remind me of and I was thinking about (laughs) a team that I watch a lot that loses stuff down the stretch because of like bringing in a bunch of guys that just either aren't ready yet or will never be ready and it's so easy when you follow a team closely to think about, you know, you start overinflating how good Nas really is because he, he, he has really great around the basket skills and footwork and just shows these promising flashes. Or you start building yourself up at a certain point in time that thinking not only is uh, J-Mac – not only is he a – a legitimate, you know, second string point guard, but maybe he could start in this league and you start inflating the value of these pieces and you do that enough. You just start thinking like, gosh, if all these guys are like actually kind of good, like why are we so bad? Yeah. They're just, and you've actually been on this horse for a while that we just may only have like two or three good players Yeah, and it makes you feel a lot better about Cat and D'Lo, but maybe a little worse about the rest of the rosters. Like you just lose a lot of games when you have a bunch of guys like everybody on the roster potentially, besides Cat and D'Lo. And maybe you can say Ricky Rubio is a solid NBA starter, but he can certainly be exposed. But beyond Cat and D'Lo, you have a bunch of guys that either are not there yet or will never be there, arguably. And so that's kind of the greatest concerns is who do we just not have enough quality starters. This is even after me saying eight, I'm just saying that this is, I'm not saying I absolutely believe this, but I think it's, it's certainly a possibility.
1: Yeah. You know, my greatest concerns, I really have two. One is just the lack of pure shooting all the way down the roster on this team. We just don't really have it. Or we have players that, Even if we have what seems to be good shooters or um, potentially good shooters, we also have a couple of just really bad (laughs) shooters that get on the floor. And I just don't see other teams have that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like watching that, (laughs) watching (laughs) Phoenix and the Bucks play last night and just the guys who could make shots on both of those Mm. teams. Uh, from a variety of different positions and situations and how fluid it was. And granted, both those teams were playing really well, but they, we, uh, so that's one of my concerns. And then the other one is this nonsense of D'Lo not starting. It's going to continue,
0: by the way, Finch just came out with a quote today that he and D'Lo have come to an understanding that that's going to continue for some time.
1: I think that's silly. Um, and so I have a concern about, uh, that's one of my concerns is you should be able to start DLO and still stagger rotations to a degree that allows you to accomplish the same thing. I want to see as much cat and DLO starting and playing Mm -hmm. together and overlapping minutes as much as possible. And my greatest concern is that, you know, how, like, um, you see somebody like getting too fancy, they're tinkering mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. Too cute. Too cute. This is that.
0: Yeah, maybe it's maybe that's the low-key tank that everyone keeps thinking might be happening. But I, I think it is the thing that is weirdest for me. I can almost get where you would make a basketball strategy decision if if you are trying to coach for wins, where you say our evidence is that this bench is gonna get killed without a shooter and so you're going to make sure there is always one of these guys that has an offensive rating of 118 or 119 you're going to have one on the floor at all times well i know you're not buying it but i'm saying i could i could see a i could see that reasoning the thing that i don't get is why you don't want more reps for that pairing why why you don't want more sample size for knowing what works and what doesn't work if like CAD is a his ability to roll is still developing, and you want that synergy to be there with Dilo. Why don't you want more reps? And I I don't get that. And I I almost come back to like maybe it is the 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 the, uh, the tank. You know, I saw, saw this or heard this this stat from Dane in his um, podcast, his weekly one he does with Brit where he said, "Cat." D'Lo and Anthony Edwards on the court together this year have an offensive rating of 139. Yeah, but a defensive rating of 129.
1: I still feel like that's winning.
0: <laughs> that is winning. That's <laughs> ten points. That's winning by ten points in 100 possessions. Um, but yeah, it's I can't argue with you that like that as a concern because I, I you know that would be a fair question if if anyone who uh, Nobody is, but if anyone who is listening to this podcast is also somebody who sits in the, in the media room and asks uh, questions in the press conference, you know, ask Finch whether we should be concerned about, you know, the staggering of Cat and d resulting in the, you know, the necessary reps those guys need to do to continue to build synergy.
1: Yeah. The, and to your synergy point and getting as many reps as possible, this season right now, the remainder, is already about next season. Yeah. And so you wanna know from your core, to your point on reps, exactly like what you have in as many different situations as possible. And this is just silly. It's just silly. So Dan, let's hype it up. What are you most excited about with this team? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and things have been going a little long here um, in general, so I'm not going to spend personally too much time on this, but I will say that um, I'm excited about this offense and what it can be. And I already spoke to the idea that as our, our offense, Cat and D'Lo on the court together this year is performing at a level that would be better than the best offense in the league, which is the Nets. Now in fairness the the Nets have to run out their second stringers too so I'm not saying they're performing better than Katie and Kyrie and you know Harden but that their their offense with those two on the court is better than the best offense in the NBA and add a growing ant and add Beasley and or what Beasley can be leveraged for and I'm just super excited about this offense and what it can be and how the theory of just outscore your opponents might be just Fun as hell, if that's truly we're like, you know, we're gonna pay lip service to defense, but we're really about like how how many points can we score?
1: I am most excited about D'Lo being back, baby. I love <laughs> I will, and I the love energy, you. love <laughs> value of D'Angelo Russell, and I'm gonna keep it at that. Mm.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, we are going to get to our uh, new regular blind spot segment. Uh, Right after this spot uh, from FedEx, Josh.
1: When you think of FedEx, you probably think of overnight shipping solutions. But helping you market and advertise your business? Well, welcome to FedEx in 2021. Let FedEx help you promote your business with convenient and affordable ways to advertise. They'll connect you to the marketing professionals and expertise you need to determine which marketing products and services are right for you along with the best solutions for designing and printing your materials. Through their website, you can consult with pros to see how a mailer could work for your business and get help with everything from logos and website design design to social media, from design to printing to mailing. To learn more and get a free marketing plan, just visit FedEx.com. FedEx. For when you need so much more than your package, absolutely, positively being there overnight.
0: All right, so blind spots in this one, we talk about where people might be missing the point entirely in, in discussion about the team. Um, And this is a common refrain. We've been saying this since very, very early on the season, but where people are missing the point is as they usually are, there is an off season and a next season, basically all those things that come right after, you know, I know that, and then, you know, go through your litany of misfortunes. And before you say, but <laughs> those things have always mattered and they still matter. We have had a, an insane litany of missed games by key players and a lack of ability to work with the youngest roster in the league to grow and go on and on and on and obviously this would require lack of misfortune next year but the prospect of having an off season and ability to work with even this current roster even if we don't end up with a draft pick it's there's a lot to be excited about but it's so hard not to talk about what we're seeing on the court right now
1: yeah and you know for me, a blind spot, and this isn't necessarily what people are missing, a point people are missing entirely, but that the potential value that we could get from that top three pick. Now, I know this next draft, people by you know consensus seem to think that it's just like a no-brainer for the top three picks. I fall on the – I would love to know what we could get for – one of the top three picks in terms of some experience, some pure shooting or some defense or a player that could come in right away and be that. And I, so I think a blind spot for a lot of people is just that like these draft picks are a crapshoot. There are no guarantees that they are going to vault you into winning in the near future. And even with Anthony Edwards who, well, there's plenty of question coming in. And I think one of the reasons people are so excited about Anthony Edwards is that he uh, is overperforming what a lot of people thought would yeah. be one of my guesses. Um, next year, that's not going to be a luxury if we end up keeping that pick where uh, they're proud. Those top three picks, given how highly regarded many have them, um, They might be more raw than people realize. They might also, to
0: your point, you know, that being able to leverage that. And if we're talking about what do we have as tradable assets and what could we put in as a third, truly big key sort of cornerstone around Cat and D'Lo. And yeah, man, maybe Beasley plus number three or number two or something would would do a lot. At the same time, the counterpoint to that is that that topic that we brought up, which is what if the core is not Cat and D'Lo what, or the timeline, but what if the timeline is Ant and McDaniels, in which case, what if the timeline is Kat, uh, Kat D'Lo and or I mean, is Ant McDaniels and Cade Cunningham or, you know, and look, yeah. I don't know anything about these guys. I only know that they are talked about and I hear their names that way. I, I don't watch college basketball.
1: Yeah, no, and that's that is uh, you know the time whose timeline is it? I'm mm-hmm. I'm still in the Cat D'Lo <laughs> timeline more than I am the Aunt McDaniel's timeline. I
0: think it's kind of intriguing that we can we're currently in this really wild situation where we have a foot in two different timelines, and depending on how mm. things go, we have right now a really unique sort of position. Like other teams, if they decide they're going to ban and like you know the just say like when Orlando just abandoned the Vucevic and and, Hmm. uh, Aaron Gordon timeline, they're all in on the tank or Houston abandons the Harden timeline and they're totally starting over. If we abandon the D'Lo and Cat timeline, we have a good head start on the Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniel. So it's, it's actually for a team that's considered to not have a whole lot of flexibility in their options. That's a huge flexibility.
1: Yeah, but it, then again, Ant and McDaniel's <laughs> surrounded by whatever feels like a lot of thirty-point losses for the next two years. You
0: know. Yeah, but no, we're we're ready. Yeah, we, we we're good at that. We're, we're resilient good. to we're that. Ready. Okay.
1: <laughs> it does. Yeah. All right, Dan, are you ready to get into this episode's Timberwolf Power Rankings? Wait. Okay. Ready. You're ready. Okay. Dan, who do you have at number five in this episode's Minnesota Timberwolf Power Rankings?
0: I'm going with Wancho. So now would be a good time for you to mention that it's not even necessarily (laughs) who's... Playing the best or the best Timberwolves or whatever you usually say as the qualifier
1: for my... yeah The the Timberwolf Power Rankings are not about who is the best player on the team right now, but who is the most buzzworthy or who's getting talked about or who just rises to the level of consciousness in Dan's mind of who's driving the talk or driving the action and energy for the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: And so... Juancho, I think it's interesting that there was nobody on this roster that was more dead and buried by the fan base in January, early February, during basically all of Ryan Saunders run this year. And he is now solidly back in the rotation. He clearly is giving something out there that coach Finch likes to see. And he's not playing badly. He certainly he. Uh, Somewhere along the line, he supplanted uh, Jake Lehman, who I have traditionally preferred as a player. And so, Mm -hmm. like, you know, here's to Wancho for, like, you know, (laughs) going at the haters and and making a run and and playing himself into the rotation.
1: Who do you have at number four?
0: Nas, who has not been showing that he's necessarily contributing a ton to winning lineups, but the fact that he's showing himself to be capable of playing on the court with a cat, an intriguing sort of big front court for us. um, Those are fun minutes to see. And I have to say that the the newfound athleticism we're seeing out of Nas this year, it's not just the nifty footwork, but we're seeing him like dropped out of the rafters, just slamming on people is super fun and he just remains a very easy player to root for. And so I got him at number four.
1: And Dan, now's read his career shooting volume. You ready for this?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, are you going to the mid range thing or
1: he has taken from three point <laughs> range, 232 shots in his career uh, around the rim, 466 shots and in the last game he took his first ever mid-range <laughs> it's shot <so> great <laughs> this is an analytics darling is it not
0: it really is i mean it is a perfect a shot values base. darling yeah so he's not he's not lights out from 3 point range but he can shoot just well enough like 34ish percent where yeah. you need to think about it and so for him to have like a real high value in his shooting um is is yeah he, he's and, and and it goes to the point of him being them saying that he's like the most coachable guy they've ever seen like he'll just mm. tell him to do something he goes out and does it the one thing i'm kind of curious about with nas it, I, I i kid but i don't kid i wonder how much of his bad defensive numbers because i watch him and i don't feel like i see him getting burned the way just sort of it comes out in the 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 numbers how much of his bad defensive metrics and how much of the Wolves bad transition defense simply comes from him falling after shooting. (laughs) He falls all the time and it's always a five on four break the other direction whenever he misses. Sometimes even when he makes it, he makes it and he's on the ground and they're off running the other direction. And I'm just wondering like some of this bad transition defense, like what can they do? Like, you know, get him doing the karate kid thing on one leg with a pail on his head or something in the off season. It's just like, don't, don't fall, man. You're killing the team at the other end.
1: Dan, number three,
0: Anthony Edwards, who, continues to kill it in the interview game there's a gq interview (laughs) just came out just today and i don't know if you read it but okay he's talking more about you know like his prowess at other sports and just convinced that if you gave him a month he could probably throw a hundred mile an hour fastball but right now it'd probably be 92 93 miles an hour (laughs) and saying that like well not yeah, now i know who uh who a rod is and they they, like no he's dating j-lo is like no he's not he's not and he was really disappointed to hear that but he thinks he should be dating j-lo again and like because he's he's gonna he's gonna owe me so i want him to be happy (laughs) it's it's just a delightful interview if anyone wants to seek that out but while doing that continuing to just score like with the the volume he is shooting at this age it's the numbers are starting to be impressive it's kind of really wild that i just read that he's 20 since the all-star break he's 39 on pull-up jumpers but 25 on catch and shoot which is hmm. like the opposite of what you'd expect to see so there's going to be some regression slash progression to a mean over time but you know just his his efficiency is getting better both in terms of ch- his shooting percentages and the shots he's, um, selecting to take. And so, uh, yeah, there's no way he's fallen out of the top five. Number two D Uh, because if you're part of this super, super exciting two guy par- pairing right now, um, you're going to be in the top two and we love his big shot hitting ability uh, his swagger, and his uh, synergy with Cat. And I, I agree, I'd like to see him starting.
1: And Dan, number one in this week's Timberwolf Power Rankings.
0: So his last game was a little subpar, but but Cat has been playing more or less out of his mind since the All-Star break and uh, integrating so well into... Um, the new system that that Finch is running and you know there, there's I feel like there's more players this year playing at an otherworldly level like I feel like cat is playing at an all NBA level in the past month but I can concede that he's not you know at the level of like a Jokic and a, <laughs> and a Steph but um or, really, even like Russell Westbrook, I don't even understand that. But, um, but Cat has been, you know, his passing, his scoring, his uh decision making, um, and still kind of the longest stretch of sustained, generally competent defense that we've seen. i very happy to put him at number one. Josh, you always come at us with a a sixth man. Uh, Who is your sixth man in this week's
1: power rankings? I have both a sixth man and a seventh man this week, Dan. Whoa. Uh, (laughs) The sixth man is uh, Steph Curry. (laughs) Playing so great
0: that he's like, he's wormed his way
1: into the generals. Yeah. Just the uh, stunning... Uh, set of games he has had in the last uh, 10 games or so is just phenomenal. And so he has, I just can't shake him. Can't mm. shake him. Um, he he can shake every, he can <laughs> shake the defender, but I can't, can't shake him. And my seventh man during this episode is new Minnesota Timberwolves owner, Alex Rodriguez. He's not an uh, owner of any of the players, Dan, you referenced, um uh, him owning Ant, he doesn't own Ant. He's an owner of the uh, the team, the entity of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I get that. And that
0: was, but that was literally the way Anthony Edwards got yeah. it. I yeah, went, no, I went, just.
1: Uh, <laughs> but uh, never have the the Timberwolves had uh, so much celebrity power in right. their uh, orbit. Certainly in the ownership, and so uh, Alex Rodriguez as the seventh man who can hopefully bring a culture of winning, even if it means (laughs) that not at the. (laughs) the,
0: And that (laughs) will do it for our 11th episode of Timberwolves tip to tap. It's almost exclusively me tweeting out from our handle tip to tap spelled out to T O. So uh, feel free to engage me there to talk Timberwolf basketball.
1: Yeah, and thanks everyone for tuning in. If you can think of anybody else who might want to join us for this Timberwolf and Minnesota Craft Beer Talk, please let them know about us. For Timberwolves Tip to Tap, I'm Josh Dye.
0: And I'm Dan Hilton. Relax, man. Chill out. Take a sip of Abel and Brewery Beer, which has been chilling in a cooler somewhere or your fridge. Be present in the moment like Josh. But remember, there are later times for good or for ill. And fretting and ranting about them will not matter in the end. Go, wolves!